This is the Rabbi Patrick Podcast, Episode 3, Being Jewish Alone. Welcome to the Rabbi Patrick Podcast. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to sort of go in a different direction with the last episode that I did, the Merry Christmas Jews and Catholics episode with my friend Meredith. I appreciate all of you who are listening to the podcast, giving great feedback. Uh, So how do you do that? Well, you can go on rabbipatrick.com. You can sign up for the podcast uh, over there. It's on the left-hand side of the website. Um, You can also email podcast at rabbipatrick.com, and you can give any kind of feedback there. Maybe you have ideas for an episode. Maybe there's some cool person you think I should interview. Maybe that person is you. Um, Maybe you think that I'm going in the wrong direction, and you think I should go in a different direction. Uh, Let me know. This is purely a hobby. I'm doing this Monday morning while drinking my counterculture coffee. I'm working a half day today, so I'm doing the things that are fun for me, which would include other people people, but uh, everybody's back at work now, so I'm all by my lonesome, which leads into what this episode is about, which is being Jewish alone. So, one of the things that made Punk Torah my employer very successful in the beginning was that we had an ability to find Jews who were alone, or people who wanted to convert who were alone, who didn't have community of any kind. And we were able to, in a certain kind of way, and frankly not as much as I would have liked, but in a certain kind of way, build community. So we did that through different projects, uh, some of which worked, some of which didn't. um, And we did our best to try to come up with something. But if you had asked me years and years and years ago, Do people need physical community? I would say no, because there's this thing called One Shul, there's all these online communities, all this other stuff. You know, is it good to have physical community? Yes, Uh, but we have all this online stuff, which is great. I have since changed my mind. I am a firm believer that it is okay to change your mind as long as you call yourself out on it. So, how have I changed my mind? I think that being Jewish is not an excuse to be alone. Let me say that one more time. Being Jewish is not an excuse to be alone. One of the most successful classes I ever taught at Wunschel was called Being Jewish Alone. Some of that content I'm going to put into this podcast today. Uh, If you want to learn more, I suggest you go on darshanyeshiva.org. Pick the Living a Jewish Life series. Um, I'm actually going to post the Being Jewish Alone class that I've fixed up. I've added a lot of stuff to it um, in that course series. So um, it's Monday now. Hopefully I'll have that up by Friday. So beginning of the secular new year, that'll be up, and you can listen to that and read the materials, and there will be some other cool stuff involved as well. But I want to give you a taste of that here and try to offer you some really good advice about how to find Jewish community, how to not be a Jew who is alone. So the first thing is that you are probably not alone. You may think of yourself as alone. You are not alone. But what does it mean to be alone? So alone can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Alone can mean that you are the only Jewish person in your town, period. You live in some rural area in the Midwest or in the Deep South. You are the only Jew around. That is a particular kind of aloneness. There's another kind of alone, which is being sort of philosophically alone. 
So by that I mean you are the only conservative Jew in your town. You are the only Orthodox Jew in your town, the only Reformed Jew in your town. That's a different kind of alone. There's also an aloneness that comes from how you practice Judaism, which is non-movemental. Meaning, you could be a Jew who thinks of his or herself as being very um, progressive, but you want to practice Judaism in a very traditional way. Or vice versa, perhaps you are very traditional and conservative uh, in your politics or in the way that you live your life or your feelings on social issues, but you want a very progressive, liberal form of religion to practice. So maybe that's a kind of aloneness you have. Maybe you're alone in the sense that you can't leave your house. Perhaps you have a medical issue, a psychological, emotional issue that keeps you from leaving your home. So the idea of going into a brick-and-mortar community is terrifying. You just don't want to do it. So those are different kinds of alone. I'll give you the kind of alone uh, that I hear a lot, which is the aloneness of the synagogue of one. And here's what I mean by that. An email I received many years ago. A person who said, I've just moved to Atlanta, and I want to find Jewish community. What they mean by Jewish community is a synagogue, by the way. And that's a whole other issue. But they said, I want to find uh, a Jewish community. I want it to be liberal, politically, socially, in terms of LGBT people, um, and uh, some other issues. Uh, I want the practice, the ritual, to be very traditional. Uh, I want there to be young people, and I want there to be a tikkun olam type of work that I can do within the community, uh, and I want it to be uh, accessible because I have a disability. So, to recap, here's what this person is looking for. They are looking for a community that is politically liberal, which, uh, just in and of that, uh, you have issues because synagogues aren't meant to be political. But anyway, so political liberally, um, traditional in worship. There must be an LGBTQ presence. There must be young people. There must be some sort of group, small group within the community where they can do uh, tikkun olam, so world repairing, sort of social justice type work. And there has to be um, accessibility for disabilities. So all of that must exist. Oh, and by the way, they don't want to pay membership dues because they can't afford it. That becomes a synagogue of one. If you were to have all of that in one place, I don't care if it's Atlanta or LA or New York or Chicago or Seattle, if that is what you want, if you want all of that in one space, you are not going to find it. It will not exist. It is a synagogue of one. That is a more common problem uh, than anything else I've noticed, which is people have very unrealistic expectations of Jewish community. Why is that? I suspect it's a few things. I think one is that they don't actually want what they're asking for. They assume that if they had all of those things, that would be the perfect community, right? So it's the idea that um, they'll know it when they see it, you know, they'll know that they found the perfect community when they step right into it and it's, it's just perfect and everyone's friendly and all these other things. But since they don't know how to express what they're looking for, they break apart the community into pieces and they put in, you know, here's all of the things that I expect. Here's all of the things that I want. And so if I have all the things I want, then that will make this perfect community that I'll enjoy. Um, as opposed to walking into something and having it be great and then just accepting whatever comes with it. I'll get to that later. 
So that's one possibility. The other possibility is they don't actually want community, period, even if all of that stuff existed. So it's setting up an unrealistic uh, set of criteria for a community just so that they can be disappointed. So there may be a hundred synagogues where they live, but none of them are ever going to meet this unrealistic expectation, so therefore they have a legitimate right, so to speak, to be disappointed and to not show up. So that's another possibility. Um, you know, the other possibility is a desire to be alone. It's a form of self-righteousness. So I will not join that community or these communities because uh, they don't live up to the standard which uh, only I am upholding because that is somehow the true Judaism. So it's things like they're not orthodox enough. They're not progressive enough. They don't do enough in social justice. They don't do enough in, um, you know, whatever the case may be, diversity, whatever the case may be, right? So it's kind of holding yourself up as the standard to which no one else can um, ever uh, meet you, right? There, uh, no, there's no way that anybody will ever be able to match your sort of superiority. I don't see this from people who are homebound. Sometimes I do, but I generally don't see this from people who are homebound. I don't see this from people who are sick. Uh, I do see cases where people emotionally have trouble with entering into spaces where there's lots of people that they don't know, they have social anxiety. That's a different ballgame. Um, but for the most part, it's sort of this synagogue of one stuff. Now, in the past, I would have said, you know what, you're fine, go on one shul, go on uh, ourjewishcommunity.org or Sim Shalom or one of these other types of, of places. But I'm really starting to think differently about this. I think that uh, the Jewish phrase is true, and I think the author Shalom Aleichem is the one who said this. Um, uh, Shalom Aleichem wrote the Tevia stories and Fiddler on the Roof, it's inspired from all of that, uh, all of his stories. But uh, he, he said, I hope I'm quoting him and not someone else, uh, life is lived with other people. So life is lived with other people. Judaism is a communal religion. It's very hard to be Jewish alone. Now, there's ways to do it. Again, if you uh, go on the Jewish Learning Series, the Living a Jewish Life series on Darshan Yeshiva, uh, beginning of 2016, you'll see more of that. But truly, I think that life is lived with other people. So how do you do that? So we, we've put it out there that the problem is the I can't find syndrome, right? That's the real problem with why people are not joining community. It's I can't find. So let's, instead of worrying about are they diverse enough? Are they traditional enough? Are they LGBTQ friendly enough? Are they uh, economically diverse? Which I would argue is actually a more important form of diversity than race and ethnicity and all these other sort of showroom forms of diversity. Um, let's focus on what you need to do to belong to community. Let's forget everything that you think you want Let's forget about all the arguments as to why you don't join, and let's think about how you can find community. So I would say you start with the people first. When you are looking to join some place, there's generally three, three very easy things. So one is who are the people, who is, who's the rabbi, and what movement do they belong to? Those are very quick things you can figure out. Let's ignore the other two. Let's focus entirely on the people. So you live in a town, 
let's say you have the big three. So you have one reform, one conservative, and one orthodox community of some kind. Now that could be uh, modern orthodox, it could be Chabad, young Israel, whatever the case may be. But we're just going to, for the sake of making this a fast podcast, we'll say, okay, reform, conservative, orthodox, right? Start with the people first. Go into each of these three communities and assess who the people are and how they treat each other, and how they treat you. How do you go about doing this? First of all, you have to make your presence known. You can't simply go into a synagogue on a Friday night or a Saturday morning, sit in the back with your face buried in a book, a siddur, prayer book, and then run away. You're never going to assess who the people are if you go about it that way. You have to actually socially interact with people in order to size up whether or not you like them. Now, that is very uncomfortable for a lot of people. No one likes to go to a party where they are the only person um, that the host uh, uh, knows. Uh, Let me say that the other way because I kind of said that backwards. No one likes to go to a party where they don't know anybody except the host or hostess. You know, no one wants to be the sort of odd person out in a room. Unfortunately, there are things in life that if you want to embrace them, you have to embrace your discomfort. And the best way in this context to do it is to just go head in. Um, A few things you can try. Go online, email, not the rabbi, not the rabbi's assistant, because remember, rabbi's not part of the picture here. We're only talking about the people. The rabbi could not even exist. Doesn't even matter. Movement doesn't even matter. Could just totally not exist. We are only focused on the people. Go online. See if there are any affinity groups. A men's group. A women's group. A book club. A a tikkun olam group. A young people's group. An old people's group. Whatever affinity groups you feel like you would belong to. And a lot of synagogues have this kind of stuff. Uh, Go in. Email those people. Start with that first and say, Hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm very interested in Jewish woodworking or whatever whatever affinity group you're into. Um, I'm not a member. I'm new to this community. Uh, or, uh, you know, I'm just now exploring my Judaism. Or be honest and say, I'm interested in converting, but I'd like to find a community first. That's brave if you do it. I totally respect that. Um, and say, you know, I'd really like to check out your young people's event that's going on. Or I'd really like to, um, you know, check out the Mahjong group or whatever. Uh, can I come? You know, as a non-member, is it okay for me to come? Find that person who's going to email you back and they'll say, great, we'd love to have you. Um, and then here's what you do. You take that person's email address or their full name if you have it. Go on Facebook or Twitter or whatever the case may be. Friend them. That way you immediately have a friend walking right in. You know uh, John Grossman, or you know, you know, Kevin so-and-so, right? Like, you know these, uh, you know these people already. So you can go into somewhere, and you already have a connection. So go into those uh, affinity groups. You know, go check out the movie night. Go check out uh, whatever the case may be. Try that first. Then you can go into the Friday-Saturday now, let's say you have a community that's small, and they all have these kinds of affinity groups. Here's what you do in that case. Go to the synagogue on a night when nothing special is happening. 
So, you know, Kabbalat Shabbat, let's say. But Kabbalat Shabbat during the month of Cheshvan or, you know, in between weird holidays that no one's really observing. Um, go there when you may be making the minion. Go in there. Don't sit in the back. Walk into the building. Say hello to everybody. Say Shabbat Shalom. Put on a big old smile even if you're terrified. Go in. Grab that sidur, say, Shabbat Shalom, my name is Kevin, and I'm from Defiance, Ohio, or whatever. <laughs> and maybe people will think you're a little goofy. That's okay. Um, you know, go in there, shake hands with people. You know, what is your name? How are you doing today? You know, very basic stuff. If you're an introvert, fake it. It's fine. I'm actually an introvert. Most people don't know that about me. They think, oh, he's got podcasts and videos and speaking gigs. He must be really extroverted. He's in a band. I am a total introvert. Always have been, always will be. Having said that, I know how to smile, shake people's hands, say hello, ask them where they're from, how are you doing today? It's very basic adult stuff. Do that with every person you encounter. Walk on in. Sit in the front row of, you know, the, the worship room, or sit, you know, at least towards the middle, up front. Um, if you don't know what the songs are, sing, anyway. Uh, if there's any kind of interactive reading where they choose people to read in English, let's say, uh, raise your hand and say you'll read. Um, you know, if you, if you can't do any of that, clap, hum, stomp your feet, do something, whatever. Um, if you don't know how you do certain things, like standing for Amidah, whatever, just look around and see what other people are doing. Fake it till you make it. It's fine. I promise you, you are not doing anything wrong. You are actually doing everything right. Better to admit you don't know what you're doing than to pretend like you do um, in a way that is uh, somehow... Um, oh, I don't know, um, that somehow, you know, makes you look like you're arrogant or whatever the case is. You know, fake it along, but do it in a, a, with a smile, with a sort of tongue-in-cheek type of attitude. So you get through it. You've survived. Hooray. Then you go up to whoever that temple president was. You go up to uh, whoever that assistant rabbi is or that person from such and such a group who gave an announcement about the big 4th of July barbecue or whatever the case may be. Shake hands, kiss, babies, politics. Say hello to everybody. Then, go up to whoever those leaders are and say, hi, my name is Kevin, I'm from Defiance, Ohio, and, um, and I'd like to get involved. You know, I heard that you're doing uh, Mishloach Manot baskets for Purim that you're going to give uh, out at the um, retirement home. You know, I would love to help. Or, I heard you need drivers to pick people up uh, from their houses to get them to services. Uh, it just so happens that I have a truck driver's license, and I would love to help. Who do I get in touch with? So really, just jump head first into this. What is the worst thing that can happen? Let's talk through that. Well, the worst case scenario is that no one's friendly to you. No one offers uh, to get you involved. No one says hello. All that you've learned from that experience is that that community is not right for you. You've wasted two hours of your life. Well, guess what? You can binge watch Netflix for two hours. It's just as much of a waste. So you may lose two hours of your life. In terms of the span of a human life, that's okay. Uh, you will discover that community isn't right for you. Well, that's good. 
That's one thing you can check off your list. That is definitely not something you'll ever worry about again. That's fine. Um, you may become embarrassed, right? You may do something wrong. Um, fine. You'll never see those people again. And if you do, they probably won't remember. So no big deal. You're the only one who will remember that you bowed at the wrong time or that you, you know, kept singing a song when everyone else had stopped or, you know, something like that. That's fine. Like, whatever. Who cares? No big deal. In, in terms of the scheme of things, it's nothing. You've probably had more embarrassing situations in your life than going to a synagogue and everyone being rude. So you'll be okay. So what may happen if you do this at the big three, the conservative reform, uh, orthodox, reconstructionist, whatever, you know, going beyond the big three, um, you'll finally discover a community where, wow, those, those people are actually pretty nice. Oh, you know, they were, they were kind of funny. You know, the, the, uh, the temple president, the synagogue president, told a bunch of jokes that were, that were cute. Uh, I had fun in the social hall. You know, people talked to me. I got people's names and I friended them on Facebook, right? You may find a community like that, and if you do, keep going back. Just keep going there. Keep getting involved. No one's going to ask you uh, if you want to become a member. I mean, they may eventually. And you know what you do in that moment? You say, you know what, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'm shul shopping. Some people will say that, shul shopping. Um, and just say, you know, I, I like the people here. Um, maybe I'm not ready to become a member, uh, but I'd be happy to give a donation if there's a project that's going on that you need funding. Even better, I'd love to volunteer my time because, honestly, time is way more important than money is. Um, you know, things like that, and it's okay. You can say no, and that won't offend anybody. Um, and you could say, you know, eventually I would like to. I'm not in a position to right now financially, perhaps, is another answer. Quite probably you're not going to have people coming up to you on day one and saying, would you like to become a member? No one, at least I don't know of many people who say, will you marry me on a first date? Treat it like that. Okay, so let's say that you have found... Uh, two communities that you like. You really like the reform community. You really like the orthodox community. The people are super cool. Uh, they want to get you involved. They have these great uh, uh, groups like the men's and women's and the cooking club and the whatever. They've got all that stuff. But now you have this reform and you have this orthodox. Well, what what are you going to do? What are you going to join? So you might immediately then say, well, I don't like the mechitza, so I guess I'm going to go be reform. Okay, pause. Don't go there yet. The second thing you want to think about is, who is the rabbi? So, cool communities hire cool rabbis. Rabbis generally don't build congregations around them. Generally, it's the other way. Um, and in fact, in the America, uh, rabbis and the boards of directors are separate from one another. So, the board hires the rabbi. The rabbi is actually an independent contractor uh, providing rabbinic pastoral services. So, although rabbis heavily influence congregations, generally speaking, the congregation is its own thing, and the rabbi is working for that congregation. So, how do you figure out who a cool rabbi is? That's going to depend on your personality, what you're looking for, who you like. But remember, this is the person who is going to marry and bury. Right? This is the person who's going to be with you throughout the entire life cycle. This is the person who you're going to reach out to for spiritual support. This is the person who is going to have a great impact uh, in your life. So you found these great communities. 
now talk to the rabbis. Get to know them. Don't, you know, set up an appointment to discuss things, whatever. Just hang out around them. Uh, I have found that rabbis are actually a lot cooler one-on-one than they are in large groups. So, you know, corner the rabbi at the lunch. You know, corner the rabbi at the volunteer project. And say, you know, how about that local sports team? Or, I noticed you're wearing a Florida shirt. Uh, you know, did you go there for college? Um, rabbi, what's, uh, you know, how did how were you raised? Were you raised conservative or, you know, whatever? Um, you know, or I really enjoyed, this is a good one, I really enjoyed your sermon that you gave last week about Parsha Hazinu. Will you... Uh, can you pr- tell me some resources where I can learn more about that? Rabbis love it if you talk to them about their sermons. I cannot express the depth of gratitude that rabbis will have if you prove to them that someone is listening. They will love this. So, you belong to these two... Well, you don't belong, but you, you've sort of found your way into these two communities. Let's say you love both rabbis. Think about the movement third. So we're in this hypothetical example. Someone has found a reform community and an orthodox community. So who says you can only join one? Who says you have to belong to one place? You can go anywhere you want to at any time. So join both. Um, maybe you don't become a full-fledged member, quote-unquote. So what? Who cares? You're a Jew. You're looking for a place to belong. You really enjoy the reform community. You really enjoy the orthodox community. Go to, bo- go to both. Switch out. One Shabbat you're here, next Shabbat you're there. Uh, Pesach, you're here. Shavuot, you're here. Do both. Nothing wrong with doing both. People who are very active in Jewish community, by the way, generally do more than one. So, people first, rabbi second, movement third. That's like the least important thing in this sort of triad of values. Um, and I would dismiss the movement part entirely. It's whatever you're interested in. I had an Orthodox rabbi who I was talking about community with. Um, he does a lot of work uh, in a college campus. And he's very traditional. He's a member of a very traditional form of Orthodoxy. And I said, you know, how does it work that you know, you're this very traditional Orthodox rabbi, but you have these 20-something-year-olds who you know, are coming into your house, you know they drove, you know that they're going to go out and party with their friends afterwards or go home and watch TV. You know, um, they know who you are. They know what your understanding of halacha, of Jewish law, is. How does that work for you? You know, how do you, how do you feel about that? And he said, people make too much of the mechitza, which I interpreted to mean, and he would later go on to say, people make too much of these movements, these boundaries that we set up. People go, these are his words, people go where their friends go and where they are wanted. So, I guess that sums up what I just said. You go where your friends go, meaning go where the good people are, and go where you're wanted. So, if people then push back on this, if you're pushing back, if you're saying, okay, well, even if I had the courage to go into a community, I know I don't belong. I just know I'm going to not belong. So I would say make yourself belong. If you are a racial minority, guess what? You are going to be the only black person in that congregation. So what? Race does not matter. Um, I am the only LGBT parent uh, in my community. Okay, yeah, but you're still a parent. 
So join the parent group. Make yourself belong. I'm the only young person. Okay, well, I guess you're now friends with a bunch of middle-aged and elderly folks. That's great. Some of those people are more fun than your peers are. Make yourself belong. And like I said, you can belong to more than one community. Maybe over here in this community, you get to do all your cool tikkun olam, uh, volunteerism. You're going to clean up that urban park. You're going to start that uh, you know, neighborhood garden, organic garden. You're going to do all that stuff there. But listen, when you need to, need to say Kaddish, you're going to do it over here. That's fine. There's no such thing as community monogamy. No one is asking sort of a default monogamy when it comes to belonging to a congregation. We are one Jewish community regardless of where we go. So go to multiple places. That's fine. And lastly, if you still can't find what you want, you're going to need to build a community. So if you live somewhere where there are a lot of unaffiliated Jews you need to start pounding the pavement. That does not mean that you put up something on Facebook and just assume people are going to uh, you know, find you and then all of a sudden you're going to get to be the lay leader of congregation, uh, you know, bait living room, right? You, you actually have to go out there and do it. Find people. Go to that Jewish music festival or that klezmer band that's playing in the coffee shop. Go to that Jewish art exhibit make little cards, say hi to people, say, hey, I'm forming a Jewish group. We're going to meet in people's houses or we're going to meet in this clubhouse or we're going to meet in this park um, once a month and we're going to do Shabbat or we're going to do a, uh, a Torah study or we're going to do whatever. Uh, would you like to come? Right? Or we're just going to get together on a Tuesday evening and have a potluck dinner and talk about kind of what we're looking for in Jewish community. Oftentimes when people try to start Chavarot, these friend groups, these you might think of them as lay synagogues, they try to start it like a synagogue. So it's, hi, come join Chavarot Shalom, and uh, you know, come to my house on Friday, we're going to have Shabbat services. right? And, and that's great, I'm not putting that down, but that's a hard pitch to people who are unaffiliated. It might be easier to say, you know what, we're getting together on a Wednesday. We're going to have a potluck dinner. And we're going to talk about kind of what we're looking for out of Jewish life. That's all it's going to be. Just, you know what, we're getting together for drinks at the local bar uh, or the coffee shop. And we're just going to talk about what we're looking for. That's it. We're not planning programs. It's not a book club. It's not a Torah study. It's not. We're just getting together just to talk about what we might be looking for. And then step back. Do not make yourself the center of everything. Don't make it your congregation. Find cool people, see what they're into, do it. It may not be what you want. They may only want to get together on Saturdays uh, at a park so their children can play and they can socialize, and that's Shabbat for them. If you want those people to be your friends, if you want that Jewish community, then that is a Shabbat option for you, right? And that's where you need to go. Go where the people are. Find the cool people first. Worry about who's leading, how you're leading, what the movement says, worry about all that last. That is true of a synagogue, and it's true of a chavarah. So I'm going to leave you with this. It is very difficult to join community. It is scary. No one wants to go to a synagogue alone. No one wants to try to get a group of friends together to do Judaism. This is very intimidating stuff. 
and I respect completely how hard you are working to try to find your place in the Jewish world. Just know that I am with you. I know what you are going through. I have been through it myself. These are a few things that I've found. It may not work for you. You may It may completely backfire. For that, I apologize. But at least you tried. If you find a better way, let me know. I'd love to talk to you. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about how to deal with the fact that you are becoming Jewish and your family is not along for the ride. Thank you.